Welcome to episode 41 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Justin? Very good. Except for the fact that I'm supposed to be on vacation in Europe and I wasn't able to get there because of the volcano. Right. That's, you know, I hadn't even been paying that. I wasn't, I had not been paying very close attention to the news when you told me you were going to fly to Europe. And uh, <laughs> I can't remember who it was. I think it was uh, our friend Ken. We were, we were at the lunch. He's like, oh, he, he's actually able to fly to Europe. I thought they, all the flights were canceled or something. And then, of course, I get home and you're like, uh, I check my email and you're like, uh, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, the, the annoying thing is, is that uh, my flight got canceled. Basically, I was like two days within the window of being canceled. And then if, if it had just been like two days later, I would have been OK. But of course, they didn't offer a, a reschedule option because so many people are trying to get over and they just offered a full refund, which is which is good. But it was just really frustrating not to be able to reschedule because I was supposed to go there for three weeks. Sure. Yeah, that does. That sucks. But then again, I guess that's good for the good news for the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, good news for the podcast because we didn't quite know how we were going to do it from Europe. Right, right. So um, you got a, a really huge, you wrote a blog post last week that got, it was massive. Uh, it was a perfect example of link bait. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, it got a ton of attention. And what, what was the uh, title? Oh, here it is. Bill Gates bans iTunes from Windows. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So basically, I, I don't know. I was just I was just pottering around the house and um, thinking about the, the whole iPhone iPhone um, operating system thing. And I thought that like the analogy occurred to me that basically what the, you know, what they're saying with that whole thing is they're saying that they only want people to, to build (laughs) using uh, either. They don't want people to build with some kind of tool that can target multiple operating systems, but that's exactly what they do with iTunes. And, And iTunes doesn't even use the windows, the windows Chrome, you know, it uses its own Chrome. Right, it kind of it, yeah, it kind of has its own sort of Mac look and feel. It has its own Mac look and feel. It uses its own scrolling system. So right. rather than use the Windows, you know, the Windows scrolling system that's obviously going to be faster, they they right. they implement their own just in the same way as Scratch, uh, as Flash implements its own scrolling system. So oh, I just right. thought that was an interesting, um, what should we say? Interesting, it's, as in uh, hypocritical. Yeah, hypocritical. Yeah, basically, there's a certain yeah. level of it that's hypocritical. Yeah. Sure. So now you just decided to write it just because it was in your head. It was yeah. sort of a short thing and it was just sort of a funny little blog post. But I guess it got a huge amount of attention, right? You 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 posted yourself to Hacker News and it just kind of fell off the the list really quickly, right? It didn't make it, but then it, then someone tweeted it later in the day or something. Yeah, I posted it to Hacker News straight off the list, and then I tweeted it. But on Twitter, it just caught on like wildfire, and then. Um, I don't know, about three hours later, someone else posted it back to Hacker News and then someone posted it to Reddit and I think Dig as well. And by the end of the day, it had 135,000 views. Well, first thing I would say about that is I think there's something, there's some force in the universe that if you post your own, if you submit your own post to Hacker News, it's not going to, nothing's going to (laughs) happen. Right. It's, you cannot do it. I mean, it just like if you, you submit anything that that you've done, it's just, it's just, it gets ignored. Yeah. Somehow the universe knows. Somebody else has to submit it. So, you know. And I, the thing is, I totally didn't do it as a promotional thing, right? And it was only after I logged into the blog and saw that it had had 80,000 views, I was like, I like kicked myself and I thought, oh, I should have mentioned Plugio, I should have mentioned texting, I should have mentioned something. So then at the bottom of the post... You should have mentioned uh, me. <laughs> yeah, I should have mentioned <laughs> Epic Night. 
What? So, I mean, yeah, no, seriously. It, it's seriously. I, yeah, I can't believe you didn't uh, do that. That was amazing. But I just even, didn't think okay. about. It. I mean, I, like I wasn't posting it. Uh, I wasn't posting it as like I was just posting it to vent more than anything else. Yeah, it wasn't link bait. It was just yeah. a, a, an outlet for your venting. Yeah. And then, so then after 80,000, I was like, uh, oh, okay, and, uh, you know, you might want to check out Plugio. <laughs> and, and so, uh, so, what, sorry? And so you got some, and you, but you actually, you actually got some traffic to Plugio from that. Yeah, between, between 80,000 and 135,000 views, it resulted in about, I would say, 50 signups. So, okay. 50 signups. That's, okay. that's 50,000 views resulted in about 50 signups. So, with that, that's 1%? Is that what that is? Uh, I don't think 50 is 1% of 50,000. I have to do them. It's hard for me to do my math. Do math. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do arithmetic in my head. I think it's 0.1% or 0.001%. So, so point zero, zero. 5 would be 1% of uh, 500. 50 would be, would be 1% of 5,000. So 50 is right. A tenth of a percent of 50,000. That's right. You're right. So it was an interesting experience, and it kind of it kind of makes me think that that could be a good strat. I mean, well, it is a strategy. Basically, you blog, and people hear about you. And if you blog about interesting stuff, then as long as you promote it right at the bottom of the blog, you know, then people will go to your product. Sign up on Plugio here. Yeah, right? isn't that the trick? <laughs> well, I mean, I do, the thing is, you don't want to make it seem too much like you're advertising. So I just kind of said. You know, if, if you like what you read, uh, check me out on Twitter or check out uh, the the website I'm building in jQuery called Plugio. Right. Well, you, you know how we we talked about this a long uh, a long time ago, I think. But the, how if you say follow me on Twitter here, like you'll have a link. And you just <laughs> yeah. Like, here. like it, it, using A/B testing, some guy figured out that it massively increases the uh, the number of signups. He tried like a couple variations. Like you should follow me on Twitter. Yeah, you should yeah. follow me on Twitter. Or why yeah. don't you follow? He tried all these different like, kind of question and kind of a statement, kind of a strong statement. And you should follow me on Twitter. Here was the best. Yeah. And you know what's kind of interesting about that? There's another. There's another study was done. I think I read this one recently. I've, although I've, I've, I've read uh, another. I read about it a while back too. And it's it goes like this. Like if. If you give a reason why you want something in a request, it dramatically increases the chance that people comply. So, for instance, if the example that was given in the thing I read was if, you're, if there are people in line, at like I say, like a copier store, like, a, like a, at Kinko's and, and to make coffees, and you say, oh, uh, you know, can I, can I cut in line, please? I'm in a recurry and I need to make – because I'm in a hurry and I need to make copies. <laughs> yeah. Like, even if the reason isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> people well it was like it was something like 90 percent of the people or something would let you ahead and let you in line even if the even if the reason was pretty much a non-reason yeah. like yeah everybody's in line to make, every everyone's in line here to make copies you know other than you just but, want to break but, in line is it because of some kind of peer pressure thing because you've kind of asked those people and then they're all kind of talking with each other and it's like well if we don't let this guy go then we look bad yeah, it's just it's one of those things, right? Right. It's it's less of a looking looking bad as people want to, people like to think of themselves. I think as as good people, as right. and so they want to be nice. And um, yeah, it's just one of those co- sort of the social or cognitive biases that that uh, people have. Okay, I, I don't That's know if I call it cognitive bias. It's more of a social um, thing that happens, like herd, herd mentalities, and there's all these sort of. Um, different types of social, I don't know if I call them 
where where do you describe them? In fact, I have an idea for a book that uh, that I'd like to write one of these days, and my working title is "Gotcha: uh, Logical Fallacies, Cognitive Biases, and Social Dilemmas." Oh, catchy! Which that's going to fly off the shelves. Yeah, that's <laughs> my well. No, the the title would be "Gotcha," right? Okay. It would talk about. You know, there's all these sort of logical fallacies that we, you know, like we've talked about, like the sunk cost fallacy in previous episodes, and there's, co- there's all these cognitive biases that people have. Um, you know, we talk about like time compression. Like, for instance, if I say, you know, hey, Justin, how long did it take you to build, you know, something that you built, right? Lucky if it was the next, if it was the day after, you might, you might say, oh, it took me ten hours, right? Yeah. If I asked you like six months later, you'd be like, I don't know, a few hours. Like, you, you we have a tendency to compress time. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's why you always screw yourself if you don't keep really accurate track of your hours as a as a as a uh, you know as a consultant. Because if you go, oh wait, how much did I spend? You generally tend to underestimate what you did. Yeah. Um, anyway, it, it's this, it's all those sorts of things that lead that lead people to uh, make mistakes in life or make bad decisions because of things like logical fallacies, things that are cognitive biases, and then there's social behaviors like you know. Her, the bystander effect, whereas like if a bunch of people are standing around and someone's injured, the more people that are standing around, like the less likely that someone's actually going to call 911 or something. Huh. And then there's That's things nice. like, you know, herd, herd behavior, like if everybody's scared of some situation, it makes everybody else freak out. And I don't know, well, there's a lot of different behaviors like that. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, Georgie was, because you know, <clears throat> Georgie works with kids and um, she was telling me that basically kids get the cues from their parents. So if their parents' face looks scared, like, you know, we're just talking about babies now, then they're going to be scared. And mm-hmm. if not, then they're not. Yeah, well, I know with our kids all the time, like, they fall down. You know, go, oh, are you okay? You're like, come on, shake it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Up we go. You know, because if you do, if you're like, oh, you know, then the kids just, they, they cue off of that and they throw a fit or something. Um, so, yeah, well, anyway, that, 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 uh, that idea for a book, that's something that obviously I... I probably won't do. <laughs> I when's it, when's do. it going to be done? I'm going to ask you every week oh, now. Oh, I don't know. So when, I have don't you done know, that maybe. book yet, Jason? Have you done Two that weeks. book yet, Jason? Two weeks is my answer <laughs> for everything. I think you need to get um, App Ignite done first. But before we get into App Ignite, I just want to talk about something else. Um, okay, I was we, just going to say what we need to do is crowdsource the book. Oh, I see. We need to do a tech zing. It should be a tech zing book, right? Everybody, everybody, everybody comes up with an interesting story, anecdote, or discussion on a particular, particular, um, you know, choose your logical fallacy or social behavior or cognitive bias. Oh, okay. You know, and then we'll, uh, then you'll have a book written by a podcast that competes with Malcolm Gladwell, like Blink or Tipping Point, called Gotcha. Well, you heard it here. I like um, that. Send send in your book snippets to podcast at textinglife.com and help Jason make a million. <laughs> no, 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 it'll, 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 we'll, we'll uh, donate to charity or something, you know. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not totally serious about that. I'm not even really serious at all. It just would be cool. Um, cool idea. So anyway, go on. I idea? want to brainstorm one thing with you um, relating to the high frequency trading stuff that you do. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know whether you saw, but Twitter... Um, <laughs> not happy with banning me once have now banned me from the search API. <laughs> so it's it, they they basically don't want Plugio using the search API. They want Plugio to use the streams API, which is completely right. different. So um, <clears throat> so the way that it works now at the moment with Plugio is there's two search components where 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 users can use search. So one of them is they can just type in and do a live search. 
another one is they can use the friend finder system and they can basically plug in some keywords. So right. let's say they're interested in, I don't know, Apple or iPhone or something like that. So what, what friend finder does is it once every three hours, it cycles through the keywords and it does a search on one keyword. So it will search for Apple, just one, one ping to Twitter and then get back to any results and then recommend them as friends. Three hours right. later, it will go to the next keyword, say iPad. So that's the way it works at the moment, but they got rid of that. Now what they want is this stream concept. And with mm -hmm. the stream, basically it's a continual live stream where you register keywords. So you can register up to 10,000 keywords. And um, so say, for example, uh, I don't know, let's, well, currently, you know, the, the, the user base currently has about 1,000 of these searches set up. So yeah. I, I, took a te I took a sample of these searches, a hundred of them, and plugged them into this stream. And it comes back at around, well, let's just say, if there was a thousand keywords plugged, uh, registered to the stream, it's going gonna, it's gonna to basically bring in about 36 million tweets a day. Which I need to then, <laughs> so, okay. I need this, so I need to be able to process 36 million incoming tweets, store them, and then at a later stage, um, kind of map them to whoever did the friend finder request for them. So, okay. <laughs> so you can see that it's a different approach, right? And it's kind of, yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah. much, it's much harder to deal with than So it's sort just of putting the search on your, uh, sort of, it's, it's sort of putting the processing really on your shoulders, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's, so basically it's just one stream. Offloading it. They're like, it's your, your problem. Here's everything. It's your problem. Yeah, now. exactly. What do, what do wow. you think about that for starters of, of the fact that, that without warning, they just shut it off? Well, I'm beginning to think that uh, Twitter doesn't really care much about, you know, you or the rest of these tiny little, you know, uh, Twitter, Twitter, you know, based services. I mean, they're just, I don't know. I guess they don't. Uh, what, what, what's, this, what's that famous, this is a famous quote? I'm beginning to think these guys don't want me around. Like after it's like some... <laughs> I, I don't know where that's from, but uh, it's like some politician or something was talking about. Um, you know, for the third time, we're getting kicked out of the bar. You're like, I think these guys don't want me around. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. One thing I would be careful with, though, I saw your blog post about it, and you were getting kind of snippy about it, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they could just shut you down. You, you piss someone off over there. I mean, you're not just a, you're not just a Twitter user who's complaining about Twitter, because right? they can't really shut people down. Well, but at what point do I kind of say so? I mean, like, this is the second time, you know? Like, at what, at what point do I make... I mean... Well, I'm just, tell, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just warning you. I, I just, you, you, your, your business is based on them. They can kind of do whatever they want. They're not, they're not beholden to you. They don't owe you anything. Um, and, you know, you decided to build on top of, the, of their infrastructure, and if they decide to change something, yeah, you know, maybe it's not fair, maybe it's not the, the good business, um, in whatever, however you want to describe it, but the bottom line is you depend on, on them, and if you, um, just, if you tick somebody off, all they have to do is flip a switch, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean, but at the end of the day, like, I'm not just going to be completely... You know, passive. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, it's. I mean, you know, look. I mean, you're you're free to speak your mind. You just just you just and and I I'm I'm personally glad that you do speak your mind. I just think you have to. 
I don't think no, I said that do much. They? I mean, snippy, I think, is a good way of putting it. Like, just a little bit snippy. Like, maybe two sentences of saying, and again, they've done this, you know, without any warning. I don't think really? that that's going to make them so upset. Probably not. Yeah. I'm just, just, you should always, you should always factor that in. Yeah. Your calculation before writing something about them directly. Okay. You're dependent. Okay. So anyway, how would you process 36 million tweets? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, how would I process them? I, I don't, I don't even know. I'll tell, I'll tell, well, yeah, okay. It's like this. It. It's like, imagine, imagine you had a standard in stream, right? And that standard in stream, you, you kept the connection open uh, 24-7. And mm -hmm. every tweet had a, a, a new, like, was, it, was, was basically encapsulated in JSON with all the information about the user. And then there's a new line mm -hmm. on the end of it. So it's just a continual standard in stream right. with this new line. And I've already, like, I already, there's already a library that just basically gets them. So then okay. it's just a question of dumping them somewhere processing. and processing them. Well, I probably want to stick them in MongoDB. Didn't you know? After talking, that's what I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking, yeah. Go, go, sorry, you you say what what you're thinking? Well, I mean, in our um, in our conversation uh, about that with uh, God, what was uh, what was what was his name? <laughs> we'll edit it in. <laughs> what, what's his name? Um, I, off the top of my head, I, I, I don't know. Sorry. Let me let me let me. Just Not only did you quick. make you look bad, but you made me look bad as well. Michael, thanks a lot. Yeah, so when when we spoke with um, with Michael Diroff um, yeah. from MongoDB, it, you know, he made a really, I mean, he said a lot of things that made me think that MongoDB would be great for these write-heavy type of applications like this. Well, especially the fact that it's got the flipping built-in JavaScript engine. Mm -hmm. So basically, yeah. when 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 you insert the uh, tweet, you can also e eval the JSON and split it up into different yep. columns. Yeah, I would. Um, I would definitely. Might, so your so your first um, step might be just setting up MongoDB and um, and immediately saving everything into Mongo, um, and then you can uh, you can probably try and do some processing as it comes in before you stick it in the database. But then you could do is have some if you need additional processing, it pulls it out of Mongo and does whatever needs to be done. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't know enough about your sort of the workflow of your application of how it's going to process it and what it's going to do in terms of your subscribing, um, you know, clients. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Once you use MongoDB, first step, get start, get start pulling in the data and shove it in MongoDB. See what, see and, where it go from there. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'll I th okay. Yeah, I'll try that. I'll try a couple of different approaches as well. But anyway, um, so that's the that's the challenge. Cool. Um, so, um, you know, I was thinking the other day. I was uh, thinking about how um, you know. So I got a, I got a, our we we got a lot of uh, comments this week, right? Twenty five and counting so far, and a lot of them were about uh, App Ignite, and they were you know mostly very positive. In fact, they were all very positive. And if they weren't positive, they were just basically saying, "Look, it it, it really is a big problem." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was yeah, right. I mean, it was. It was great. I mean, um, I have to say, and uh, there's a couple that I, I wouldn't mind talking a little about, about more specifically, but what's interesting, it made me think about, um, you know, if you hear Paul Graham talk about Y Combinator or, or a lot of the uh, startups, they'll talk about the camaraderie right. and the support that, that, that all these startups um, receive from one another, right? They'd have like these 
I don't know, Thursday night dinners or something where everyone would get together and they would sort of show and tell what they've been working on. And, um, you know, some few times it would be getting technical advice from some of the other founders. And a lot of times it would just be sort of the support you received. Yeah. Right. And it kind of reminds me of what TechZing is uh, for us anyway. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, we have this uh, it's sort of a... Um, I don't know what your. I mean, it's a community is a. Is, oh, I might be overstating a little bit, but it's kind of interesting because you, you people are giving us really, you know, interesting and thoughtful feedback, and a lot of it's very positive. And just as you've said in different times about how it's been helpful to have me give you some feedback on what you're doing with your startups, as well as have having to hear from the listeners, as well as getting advice from the guests. I mean, it's a big positive, I think. I mean, just just out of the gate for me, just just this first set of of, feed, of comments that we got based on the App Ignite discussion. Well, really... it's like a little mastermind group, and I mean, it's a mastermind group for us, and it's a mastermind group for our listeners. Because if you think about the La Critique, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. you know that that pushes back to them as well. Yeah. So I, you know, one thing I'd like to say is for all the listeners who, uh, everyone who wrote in, um, and wrote comments and wrote comments and, and sent, and sent me emails, I really appreciate the, uh, everyone taking some time to, uh, you know, to, to let me know what they, what you think. And, um, yeah, it was really, so really w- cool. So which were the comments that, that stood out to you? Let's, let's have a talk about them. Oh, geez. There were a lot of good ones. Let's see here. Um, well, you know, there, there, I, I don't want to go through all of them because it would just probably wouldn't be that fun to listen to. But uh, the first one was uh, uh, Janice, I think Janice Sim, if I'm pronouncing correctly. Right. Um, he he's the first thing. First thing he said is, "I could not have heard about Epic Night at a better time." <laughs> he said our company was just going through brainstorming session for a startup, and you know, it just anyway, it just basically fell in line with something useful to him. Um, so that's something that it's interesting that that you bring that one up first because this is something that I wanted to talk to you about on the show is. Because this product is so much what people want, it's like, mm-hmm. and I know we've been talking about release early and release often, but now mm-hmm. that you've actually put it out there, I'm kind of nervous for you because I understand <laughs> a little bit why you may have been holding off because people are going to expect a lot from this product. And Yeah, um, well, you know, hey, that's your fault, right? <laughs> You're well, the one who... Well, dude, you, you, have been, you have been doing it for like nine months, but I mean... Yeah, it, it kind of is my fault in, in a certain a certain way. But, I don't blame you. But people yeah. are going to expect a lot because, that you know, the, the promise of App Ignite is that a non-programmer can build a complete application, and it's not it's not there yet, is it? I mean, how, how far away no, would you say not, it is? No, it's not. If, if you know, I was thinking about this analogy today, I was working out at the gym, I was like, right now, App Ignite is kind of like, you know, if you think of like, a, if it was like a band, yeah, we're like, we're like in our, in our, in our parents' basement, <laughs> you know, right. 14, 15, 16, just learning how to play. Right. Yeah. You that's know? a good analogy. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of where it is. It's like, you can see a kernel of what it's going to be. You know, you, you probably, if, 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 if there were some people, if you look at like the stones, rolling stones, right. When they were starting yeah. out and they were kids, you know, no one know, knew that they were going to be a huge hit, but someone might've come in and go, I don't know. I see a little personality there. There seems to be some commitment. There seems to be a little talent. So you do know? you, do you regret releasing the early or, or no, is it beneficial? I mean, I, I think it's one thing that's good is, is, uh, 
is that we can talk about it like this on the podcast and most right. of our early listener our users will be listeners and so yeah. I think they'll be able to empathize a little bit and they'll understand from what I'm you know just from what I'm saying now is that it's not like hey guys this is what it is and it'll improve a little but they'll go it's not even close to what I envision this is just the earliest thing that I get out there it's no documentation it doesn't have any of the wizards yet that I talked about it doesn't walk you through anything a lot most of the functionality still isn't even exposed to the UI you can't even do most of the stuff so yeah it's just if you come in and you take a look at it you might be able to get a sense of like okay I hear what Jason is talking about in terms of where he wants to go with it, and I see where it is now. And it's like, yeah, it's so it's just real raw and basic. But I hope that – my hope is that the people who who do decide to play around with it and take a look at it, are you get that feeling like, you know, when you're like – and I'll use another music analogy. You know when you discover like an indie band when it's just like just come out, just right. come out, and you're yeah. like, oh, these guys are – you know, this is cool. And then when they – and then later on if they do become successful, like, ah, I knew those guys before. You know, 10 years before anybody else. Right? <laughs> I was using that before it had wizards. Yeah, it's like, I was using it. I'm like, dude, you couldn't even, <laughs> you couldn't, it would do anything, you know? And hopefully they'll, the people, you know, the users will have kind of that sort of, um, I don't know. Well, yeah, it's like think. Windows 3.1 versus Vista. Yeah. Well, hopefully it doesn't grow into Vista. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, Anyway, I, 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 I'm not claiming that what it is is anything close to what it's going to be. I'm not claiming that you can build anything useful quite yet. Um, all I'm trying to do is build something um, and get it out there so that people can start breaking it early and I can find the critical problems. It really makes me focus on the critical problems and not just adding the cool features that I want to add. So, for instance... Let me ask you, one thing about it is that, um, you know, Mark is actually building his app on AppIgnite. Mark's your pal, At least right? the website version. Mark is the friend of mine who is building the iPhone app, right? Yeah. And I, 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 I'm, I'm um, he and his partner have hired me as a, as a consultant to build their iPhone app, and they also need a website um, sort of aspect to it that has a very complex data model that ultimately feeds into the iPhone app using a, um, an API, okay? And uh, he's building everything using AppIgnite, and I'm just sitting there, and I can kind of guide him through stuff. So we can kind of brainstorm a little bit about, like, what the data model should be and how, how, what that actually means and, and, and sort of, like, the um, AppIgnite framework, Yeah. right? But, you know, things break, right? Like, he broke three or four things, or I should say he broke things broke when he was trying to use them, and I'm like, oh, crap, you know? I'll fix this. So I was able to fix a couple of things on the spot. I would go directly into the database and make and, and fix some things that the that were broken. And then I need, but what I quickly understood was what needed to be fixed like tomorrow. You yeah, know, like immediately. Like this isn't something that I can wait for three weeks because I really want to add some other cool stuff. It's like this has to fix be fixed now because Mark's stuff is going to be broken and he can't even use it. And he's at this point he's the only person building uh, something real. So he's alpha tester one. Yeah, he's the first alpha tester, and he's building something real. And he loves it. I mean, you know, luckily Mark is a very sort of supportive, enthusiastic guy. But also because you're <laughs> sitting next to him saying, don't do that, do that, don't do that, do that. So you kind yeah. of have, have a head around the, the product as you're guiding him through it. And he's saying, oh, I wish I could like, do this. And you're saying, oh, wait a second. And then you're adding some, some code, and it, then he can do it kind of thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I was able to explain my thinking. Like some stuff I rolled out was some of the permissions, permissioning. Yeah. Um, so, for instance, the view, add, edit, delete permissioning on a model-by-model model basis. And he didn't quite understand what the levels of permissions meant. And I could say, okay, well, you see, it's this or that. And he got it. But yeah. because it wasn't explained well enough. And I'm like, okay, this clearly has to be explained much better. You know, And, the, and it was obvious that the UI is not nearly self-explanatory enough I, I even without since sure. since it's um since you've kind of told the world about it since it was released in the last podcast and the feedback mm-hmm. you've got what's what's your biggest take home and what's your next kind of move forward with it well i i guess the feedback i get is i mean mostly most mostly the the positive feedback was there was a number of of um comments from people who thought that they were the target audience. They're like, you know, I'm, a, I'm the power, I'm a power user just as you described. Well, or I'm, I guess I'm looking for know, things that you've learned and what directions you're going to move in as a result rather than just what... I'm not, what no, nothing, nothing. Nothing's going to change. I mean, I'm, I, the vision that I have for this thing is not changing at all. It's exactly... It's going to be exactly as I've described it. Mm-hmm. And um, some people have given a, you know, a little advice here and there, but... Um, you know, mostly, it's. I think it's in line. I just need to. I just need to build out what I've sort of described. I want it to be. Um, Interesting. Why is there something that you? No, it's just. Uh, no, I'm. I'm surprised that that because. Um, I guess you're. That's good because you're kind of unwavering like a rock. Like I myself, when <laughs> when I get a bunch of feedback, like I'll, I'll always, you know, think about what what it means in terms of the execution that I need to do. Like I'll always take yeah, take see, it on board and change change or tweak my execution to to kind of take you take advantage of the wisdom that came back. Well, you know the things that that I, I guess it did, it focuses me on the fact that I'm really going to have to um, make sure that it's rock solid. Anything that breaks is going to be a major problem. You you it has to you can't sort of you know. Um, punt on fixing sort of annoying bugs and, and skip all and skip along until you find some fun feature you want to add. Yeah. You know, I have to like knock out the boring, you know, technical bugs that, because guess what? That's exactly what everybody trips over and breaks and they just get really kind of frustrated and just disenchanted with it. So that has to happen. Yeah. And the second thing of course, is that I really need to, um, before before it gets beyond the sort of alpha group, it, I really have to work on the UI in terms of explaining what it what it's what it what it is. Yeah, that's the- that, that's that's what I would have expected you to say because definitely the fe- the feeling that I get from the whole thing is is UI and and user journeys, and I know you don't like that word, but just so that the users understand what it is and how to use it, basically. Yeah, no, that's true. And you know, I when I threw it up there, the, when I did the UI, I was doing the simplest UI just so that I could build something myself and experiment with it it wasn't it wasn't the wizard it wasn't there was no explanation um there were there were no real useful hints or anything like that but all this stuff has to happen and it has to happen sooner rather than later because otherwise you know people just kind of stare at and go i don't really know what the hell i'm supposed to do and um you know that's not that's that's not going to be uh helpful um you know i think it's funny though (laughs) i i I added in some javascript that when you when you're typing the name of a of a model or, yeah. you know, like data type or whatever you want to call a record. And let's say it's, it's project or task or something or comment. It, there's another, you, you always type in the singular form. 
and then it automatically generates the plural form, but you can override it. Right. And, and so in the second text box where it's automatically, as every time you type, it, it updates the plural form what the plural form should be. So it's really kind of slick. Oh, yeah. Except that on Safari, it kept moving the cursor down to the beginning of the word. So Mark was trying to type in something, and it was like he was fighting with it like a video game. He's like, yeah! You know? <laughs> <laughs> was like, and I was so irritated. I was just cracking up, you know, because he couldn't, he couldn't type in the word, and he was like trying to, he, and he ended up winning the fight, you know. And it was like watching <laughs> him play like Space Invaders or something. And, uh, you know, he's just kind of laughing. And I'm thinking, I'm like, it's, it's the reincarnation of Microsoft Bob. I see you're trying to type in a model name. Let me help you. <laughs> oh, my God. So, that thing. It was so ridiculous. I'm like, I need to fix that right away. Yeah, you know what I was thinking is, like, for, for, the, for the, the wizards or the help system or whatever, you should mm-hmm. probably try and do some... You should try and knock it out for, for, with in a very technical kind of a way, like like using a library, so that you can, for example, I don't know, you have files with arrays where you can just quickly add the hints, and it will automatically draw the step one, two, three, four, and you just fill up an array with a bunch of a bunch of text. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. that oh, way, you should I create my own library so that I can generate wizards easily for whatever I'm building. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So basically, wizards step one, two, three, four, right? So all right. you all you need to do is create a PHP file with an array, and you type in the help into the array. So for for every element of the array is a new step, and then it just draws out it just draws out the steps, and that will make it really easy for you to add help all over the place. You know the kind of thing. Right. I mean? That's interesting. I have to I have to think about that a little bit. How that's going to work. Um, but no, the wizards need to be out there probably kind of soon, relatively soon. I, I initially didn't go with the wizards because sometimes it's, you, it, the wizard seems to come later, right? You need to get, like, you know, you think of the standard, like, an advanced user might look at property pages, you know, like in Microsoft or in Windows, you have, like, property pages or tab, a list of tabs, right? Yeah. And you can have it in kind of, in a lot of times you'll see the first time you do something will be in wizard format, which is really just showing the tabs sort of in, a, like, a sequential order. Yeah. <laughs> and then later you go back and you, like, edit properties and it's just a bunch of tabs. You know, yeah. and but until you know what all the tabs and you build a wizard, you're kind of sitting there staring at the scaling like, OK, so what happens next? <laughs> so I was like, all right, look, I'm just going to build out these sort of sections so that I can actually make this stuff work. And then once I got all the tabs sort of set and I have all of the sections of, of, of things that can be changed, then I'll, I'll, I'll create a wizard. So, for instance, for a model, you have like the names the name, like the plural and singular form of the names. You'll have the permissions, might be a tab. You have like tracking and timestamping, the creation and modification of, a, of records. You have the different properties. You have the relationships. You have a display identifiers. You have um, constraints. Um, you have, you know, related views. So you have, you have like, you know, 10, 12 potential tabs. Yeah. Now, some of them would be more advanced. You, you, in a wizard, might, not, might just create some of this by default and skip over them unless you wanted to go into it. Maybe you could even make a an app with App Ignite that allows you to input the data for the different wizards and the different help. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's that big a deal. You know, it's it's less a big deal of like coding up the HTML and PHP. It's it's more a big deal in terms of I just have to um, I have to make sure that the engine can, is fully supporting everything the right way. So a lot of times you'll, you'll read stuff in and then you'll update it later and then it breaks a migration or something. I don't and know. I, I mean, adding those help videos to Plugio just totally changed the game. 
Oh, no, I'm, I'm not saying that it's important to have the wizards. I'm just saying I don't know if I need a wizard to help me build a wizard. Oh, right, right, <laughs> right. Know? Okay, sure. It's not that. It's the, the time isn't – what takes the time is not writing the, you know, a few input fields and stuff. That's easy. That, what's, what's hard is you know, making sure that um, – that's everything else. It's just getting the engine to deal with things the right way. Yeah. So and, and really, I'm actually just trying to – I'm focusing right now, like I said, I'm just fixing some bugs that still – that people tripped over a couple of weeks ago. How much have were, you got done since since the release? How much how much <laughs> advanced has it been? I get a fair amount, even though I haven't had as much time to work on it as I've liked. I mean, I got permissioning. That was a pretty big deal. I have the timestamping and tracking of, of users. So, for instance, who created a record or who was last modified and when, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I I did some I fixed a, a ton of bugs. Let me see. I look at my list of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I I fixed a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> more than it was adding features, it was more fixing bugs. Because you know, Mark was using it, and he was and, and things were tripping him up. You know, things were just not working right, and uh, that was um, causing more grief than not having a feature there. All right. Well. So, I think we've done a, a nice little amount on Epic Night. Um, <laughs> have you got any uh, other other things you you're thinking of talking about in terms of Epic Night? Uh, well, yeah, either Epic Night or other subjects. I'm just I'm just wary about talking yeah. about one subject for too long. That's all. Yeah, no, it's fine. But you know, it's one one, one thing that was kind of interesting. I, I, this, this isn't about Epic Night specifically, but it was a comment from um, uh, I, th- I think you pr- pronounce his name is Emra. You Emra E M R A H. Yep, he's 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 commented a number of times. He's he's uh, in a number of different episodes, and one thing he said was kind of funny. I mean, he was it was very positive. He says, you know, definitely is a, a ginormous undertaking. You know what he says? He says, um, you know, sounds like Jason is building a platform, which the general wisdom says you shouldn't do. Yeah, if it really brings a massive productivity boost to the table over existing frameworks and how they're installed, maintained, scaled, etc., it could be worth the risk. But it certainly sounds like a ginormous undertaking. Best of luck. So it was obviously very positive, yeah. and uh, but it's it's fine. Like the, the sort of conventional wisdom of you know never build a platform, right? And it's like, well, you know, what what if somebody said that to um, you know whatever John Resig for jQuery, yeah, or to uh, you know DHH? Well, don't build a platform. Somebody's got to build platforms, right? Well, someone's always right? going to take things forward. Yeah, somebody's has to take the risk, you know, and it's it's still always left in question whether you end up if you succeed, then great, you're a hero. If not, you're you're just an idiot, right? It's riskier. It's much riskier than using existing tools. But if there's something that you want to do that's different, or you see, you think you have a better way of doing something, then you know you're you're just you're 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 uh, you're a contrarian, right? You're going against the conventional wisdom, which is definitely my personality. I don't tend to. I tend to be a contrarian by nature for some reason. Oh, I think it's good. I, I, I just think it's kind of interesting about that. You know, and I, there was a great sort of related thing, which is that and the, the saying like, uh, you know, don't reinvent the wheel, right? Or not. Yeah. Not, and uh, I think it was, um, oh, what's the guy's name who, uh, uh, Crockford, the, J, the J, JSON JavaScript guy? Right. Douglas Crockford. Yep, go for He's it. like, he has a great quote which says she's like the, the thing about uh, reinventing the wheel is that you can actually get around one <laughs> <laughs> and i thought that was great you know and uh, the the another guy this was in a, a blog post that i read a, several weeks ago by um 
uh, Jeff Atwood about reinventing the wheel. And uh, essentially the thing he was saying in that is like, look, if you want to reinvent the wheel, you know, go ahead, but just make sure you're ready to learn a lot about wheels. You know, if that's something you really want to do. Yeah. Yeah. If, if it's just sort of like, it's not a primary focus of what you're doing, then it's probably not a good idea. But if it is a primary focus, then, you know, have at it. And one interesting quote that he had, I think it was, I can't remember who it was. It was some, I think maybe it was like these Android developer or some, some big shot um, guy, some super bright guy. And he's like, you know, reinvent, don't reinvent the wheel can be interpretive as one of two, as one of these two separate statements, depending on the context, which is, please don't make me learn something new, and please don't compete with me. And please don't, and what's the second one? Please don't compete with me. Yeah, please don't compete with me, exactly. Because if you build a platform, you know, the more people use your platform, it's like a pyramid scheme, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the, 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 the more, you know, the, it's just like you become more of a superstar, right? The, the more the more Rails is used or the more jQuery is used, the, the more that those guys are elevated into the stratosphere as being, you know, whatever, you know. I mean, I've the one thing that I, I find very frustrating, I mean, I've been using a lot of Cake recently and also uh, working with Flex, um, Adobe Flex. And the one thing I find frustrating is so much stuff is hidden from you. Like if you're building your own frameworks and you understand it from the ground up, it's once you've got that knowledge you can be so much faster um but with with these frameworks i kind of kind of agree with with your theory of just doing everything doing your own stuff because it, it really does make you much faster i mean it's funny people say that cake makes you super fast but i mm -hmm. can build software way faster with my own framework than i can with cake yeah i think you know it just it takes a lot of time you know to to get to that level um, probably, I mean, if you took sort of like a, a you know, a, a someone who hasn't had years and years of developing in a particular domain, and you gave them a framework, they'd probably be faster. But if you took someone like, like you said, who's willing to spend a lot of time building your own stuff, in yeah. your case, you built a lot of your own stuff because those things didn't exist seven, eight years ago. That's right. Yeah. But you know? and it's it, it's frustrating because you know just to do something really simple that you'd know how to do on your own system, like let's say for example, I don't know the debug command or whatever. Like, because you built it, you you know you'd know exactly how the whole debugging system worked. But with with Cake or whatever, you've got to go and research that. And I know that it's really easy to find out how to debug on Cake. But it's just I'm just saying that every little thing you have to go and research. So it's just loads of time in the day is taken up on. Oh, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? You know what? And it's not fun. No, it's really boring. See, that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's not fun. And I think that's what uh, – I read the book Coders at Work, um, and one of the, inter one of the uh, people interviewed was uh, Donald Knuth, right, the art of computer programming. You know, he's like yeah. the, the, <laughs> the grandmaster of programming. And he really said – he's like, you know, he's like his big worry was that with all of these frameworks and platforms and layers and layers of software they build on top of that no one gets to actually build anything real anymore and he's like i'm yeah. afraid that no one's gonna have any fun anymore not only are people not going to know how stuff really works but they're just not going to have any fun it's just not fun they don't get to do the fun stuff and yeah. that's kind of the way i feel about it like you know part of the like, fun is building it, it, the stuff it's, sorry sorry for interrupt, but it kind of reminds me of like you know using cake it's like you know it's like being I don't know, like a power user of Photoshop or something. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're really high, you know, it's, it's very high up. 
So yeah, you can do some good tricks in Photoshop, but that's not the kind of programmer I want to be. Like I want to be the person who writes Photoshop. I don't want to just use Photoshop to do some good tricks. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, because here's the thing. I mean, ultimately, I love writing code. I love it. And I'm going to do it the way that I enjoy it. I'm just going to, you know, and I'm not going to change it no matter what anyone else says to me. If they say, oh, you should do it this way or you should do it that way. I'm like, you know, screw you. Do it your own way. But what about for clients? What about, I mean, so the the situation I'm in is, is that, you know, my clients are using Cake, my clients are using Flex. That's what I need to code in. So what well, what would you do? For I, you know, it hasn't really come up to me. So yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part, I've I'm building everything, you know, from scratch. Or it's it's not. A, I'm not in a situation like that. So I haven't had to do it. I would probably, you know, if it's for a client, I mean, you know, what I don't really care that much. Right. You know, if, if someone's going to pay me my hourly rate, you know, uh, I mean, you're a mercenary, right? Whatever you want, you know, as long <laughs> as it's not, not illegal or unethical or incredibly annoying or boring. <laughs> I'll I'll do it, and if um, and if it's uh, you know use you know this framework or that framework, or, you know, I, you know I, I don't have anything against it. But um, you know, I ultimately, especially when I'm building my own stuff, when I'm building my own project, I'm doing my own startup. I'm going to do exactly the way that I want to do it. That I'm going to have the most fun with. And for instance, you know, you say that you know this. You asked me if the feedback, how much of it has changed the direction of Epic Night or anything like that. It hasn't yeah. changed the vision or the direction at all. It may, it's just, like I said, focused on just making sure it's easy to use and that it, it's not buggy, right? Be, you know, duh. <laughs> right? it, just, it, just, it just sort of reinforces those important points. It kind of but, lets it match um, onto the key points. Yeah, right, which is just like what um, uh, I, it just, I remember um, uh, Paul Graham had made a statement in some essay uh, few years back when you talk about the importance of releasing early because what happens is when when you see a bug before you release it you're just like huh that's interesting but when you really when you see a bug when people are actually using you're like holy crap whoa man we got to fix this now right and so and that's really that's one of the important reasons to release early so it's just a focusing in on doing the stuff that you kind of and the motivation yeah yeah so, I, I mean, getting a lot of these comments back that people were waiting for. There was a number of people who weren't just like, hey, sounds like a cool project. Good luck. I wouldn't mind playing with it. There were a number of people who said, hey, I'm a power user or I'm just the kind of person who knows enough coding to be dangerous. I could really use this. Then you're like, all right, there are, I was right. There are people in the world that would want this. Because and the other thing I want to say is that, you know, I'm not building this for coders, Right. I don't want to build for coders because, you know, if 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 people are if most coders are probably a pain in the ass just like me. Right. They'll build themselves. They want to do it their own way. You know, it's they're not a good market. <laughs> and, right. and these people can already code. This is for people who, who can't code and it's not an option, but they still have ideas. They still want to get stuff built. They still need to, you know, be able to make things or they'd like to be able to and this will give them a way to make things a reality and just like it's giving mark ability to build something he would have no way in hell building himself so um yeah i don't know where i was going with that you have some do do you have you had some other topics lined up for us yeah um so let's see um yeah, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about, uh, you know, I told you I thought of a couple of these things while I was at the gym today. 
And I was like, God, I got, I got to remember, I got to remember these things. And it happens to me all the time where I come up with ideas for things, and then I can't remember. I'm like, oh, I'll, what was I thinking of? Like two days ago, I had some great ideas, and they're gone. And it's like you almost need a way to 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 keep track of stuff. So anyway, I was thinking about that that problem, and uh, I, I'd also I can't remember who it was. I'd read a blog post or someone. They said that. Anyone they ever met who was who was interesting carried around like a notepad with them wherever they went. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've never met anyone who's done that. <laughs> Although I thought I I thought I should at different times because I I can't ever you know remember things that I thought about three few days in the past. But it also reminded me of you remember the uh, there's a movie that came out in the eighties called Night Shift with Michael Keaton and uh, another guy who's the guy who played the Fonz. And they, Henry uh, Winkler. Henry Winkler, right? <laughs> and Michael Keaton's character, he was kind of a screwball, and he would carry like a, a like a voice recorder with him everywhere. <laughs> so, you, so is that what you're going to do? You're going to carry <laughs> no, a voice recorder or a I, notepad? Maybe that's what I should do. <laughs> Note to self: uh, Texting is like a Y Combinator support group. <laughs> Did you have a think about um, the Swarm AI? I haven't. I haven't put any thought into that. Uh, oh, okay. Since we last talked. Why have you been thinking about it? No, uh, just you, you mentioned that you you thought about some data structures or something like that. Well, I just sort of built like a. Um, I was just sort of building a basic data structure so that um, I could start to uh, run some experiments with search space. Um, but okay. you know, I've, I've, that's obviously I've been just crushed with work. overloaded with other stuff. Yeah, I was just trying to think about like how many hours. Um, you know, I'm billing like somewhere between seven to eight hours a day, and I'm working Saturdays and Sundays as well. Even getting in time for app ignite is just uh, it's it's really difficult. I'm just squeezing it in an hour here in the morning or early night or, or whatever. Um, but you know, I want is that I don't know about you, but even if I could code late into the night. There's only so many hours that I can sit in a chair. I'm starting to have back problems. Yeah, yeah. That is. I don't. Uh, I can't do ten hours like I used to. It's like I can't. It's like after seven or eight, it's like I really start having uh, my back starts killing me. Well, that whole quotient of of having a that the whole um, concept of having a quotient of willpower, I'm really starting to notice now that I've hit my forties. Like, just in the sense of how much I can give to different pieces of software and give to different projects. Right. Just the, because the mental effort that it takes to solve the problems, you know. Well, what do you mean? You just can't stay on certain problems, or you can't context. Well, it's just like you know. Well, just like you're saying, you know, spending ten hours and and doing context switching, working for clients, working on your own stuff, like it's really difficult as you get older. I think. Well, I think I think part of it is that you just you. I think you realize the old, the older you get, you realize that you need balance in your life. There's other things that are important. You're right. willing to sell your time for cheap early. Like this yeah. other stuff doesn't matter. But then you realize later, like, holy crap, I, you know, I just put on 30 pounds. Or holy crap, I don't <laughs> spend enough time with my girlfriend, fiance, wife, whatever. I don't, you know, I'm not doing these other things. And you realize life is going by. Yeah. You know? You're not getting that time back. And, um, and you also start to understand that, you know, 12 hours of work isn't necessarily always a ton more productive than six or seven. Especially, um, 
you know, mostly because of the diminishing returns. Like there's only so many hours. After a certain number of hours, you just start getting less and less and less done. And because you know you have all that time, you spend more time screwing around on the web and emailing or IMing or reading Tacker News or whatever. But if you know you got like seven hours, eight hours tops, you mean you just crank, right? You know, time to yeah. People call you know, like, yeah, yeah, what's going on? Okay, bye. I got to go. <laughs> right? If you have time to blow away, then yeah, I think so. I don't. For me, at least at, at the age I'm at now, at 39, I don't. I'm not. I don't know if it's so much like I don't have a physical or mental capacity to focus. It's just like I've just, I've just know that it's just it's just stupid to sit in that chair past a certain point because you're just you're not being productive. You're better off going to the gym or having some dinner and you know having a life, spending time doing other things. You come back so I, fresher. You come back fresher and more motivated the next yeah. day. So I told you I've moved from um, PC to Mac. Yeah, yeah, it's a big move. That is a big move after 15 years. I started in Mac. I started with Macs um, when I was like 18. I was a tech support engineer for Apple. Right. That was the um, job you uh, lied your way into, right? Yeah, that's the job I lied my way into. And that's how well, I let's started. Let's say you lied, you BS your way into. Yeah, yeah, that? basically, yeah. bluffed your way in there. <laughs> but uh, it is. It's. Have you have you used a Mac recently? Well, I have a Mac. I have a Mac laptop, which oh, is what okay. sits on the kitchen counter, which is what my wife uses for everything, and it's what I I tend to check my email and stuff, and kind of peruse Hacker News while I'm eating my breakfast in the morning. But that's about the extent of it. It's it's kind of it's I'm I'm just amazed at how good good the OS is. I mean, it really is good, and it it, it genuinely like the, It's very strange when you first start using it. It's very difficult to get into. But, and you have to kind of get through that mental barrier, right? But if you stick at it for a week, then all of a sudden you can find out how to tweak it to work the way that you want to. You can, you know, for example, I like to work with list view rather than icons and things like that. And you can set up the system the way you want, set up the, the short, the quick keys the way you want. And then it really does start to become a much nicer experience than Windows clunky, clunky Windows. Right. So you're already, you're already good riddance Windows, like you're not suffering withdrawal symptoms like you just you know because it is you just have habits you just have like comfort zones using certain pieces of software oh no i'm i've i have huge with withdrawal symptoms from um ultra edit which mm-hmm. is my text editor and uh it's not available on the mac yet it's supposed to be out before the end of the year so i'm using some of the some of the mac editors which are just to me i mean i can't believe that there isn't an, an editor as good as ultra edit on the what mac are they, what, which one are you using I'm using uh, one called TextMate and then another one called BB Edit. Yeah, but, those are the two you hear about all the time on, I mean, from Mac people that they love, right? F- f- from my point of view, they just they don't even hold a candle to Ultra Edit. It's just so much more configurable. But I mean, I don't want to start a, f- a flame war with anyone at home. That's just that's just my personal opinion. But um, <laughs> well, no, hey, I, I use Hap Edit. <laughs> yeah, I like know you're you're discontinued an disbanded freeware uh, written by some French guy. Like probably, you know, what is it with you and French? What do you mean? Well, you're you're into la critique. Hey, no, that end- wasn't. I wasn't the one who invented that. That was okay. um, that was Philippe's. Uh, oh yeah, he came Philippe up. Philippe Monet. I just thought it was funny. Um, no, I just I think I think it was someone commented on our on the uh, texting blog that they actually used Hap Edit too. The guy the guy was like, "Holy crap!" 
Someone actually uses tap edit. Too. Someone else. <laughs> like these, like seven of us, you know, because I think you start using and you know it sucks, but you're just yeah. like, ah, screw it. You know, I just, cause you, I don't know about you, but when I start trying to use like switch editors and stuff like that, or IDEs, you go on this big hunt, like you read all these reviews and you down like seven, like seven of them, you start experimenting and like one doesn't do something that you like, or, you know, another one is just a little too complicated. And then you just kind of give up. You're like, ah, I just don't have time to do this right now. So you go back to using like half edit or whatever crappy editor you use. And, uh, cause I was, I was like, you know, one thing that would be useful was be able to do some remote side debugging for the PHP. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because some of the code I'm writing is obviously not tr- trivial and it would be, it would be helpful to be able to do that. And, um, so I was to look at like, I don't know, three or four of these. One of them was the Eclipse. Um, well, Eclipse, Eclipse is the one that you should, you should kind of really focus on. It looks really slick. It looks really slick. But I was looking at it, I'm starting to read through the, you know, some of the text. I'm like, ah, I, just, I just didn't have time. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, I will at some point use it. It's like, I just don't have five hours to sit down and read through the help files and figuring out how to set up a bunch of stuff. You know, I just don't have, the, I just don't have that time right now. So I, anyway, that's that's why I'm stuck with HapEdit because every time I I, I want to take the time to to sort of upgrade to trade up, realize at the time I just take it, you know, I used to uh, to do it. Although I need to at some point, I'm just I just have so little time. I have no I have nothing. I mean, like like Saturday, like tomorrow, I want to work on App Ignite, but I can't. Because I got to watch the kids in the morning, in the afternoon. Mark is coming over about five or six hour work session on his iPhone app, and then and Sunday. And we're having lunch. And then we're having lunch. Um, the, our, our, our sort of our little tech Saturday lunch thing that we have, and then on tech Sundays lunch. I do. Uh, yeah, and on sec- Sundays I have uh, client work to do, and so like you know I, I don't I don't I don't have any time. <laughs> but yeah, so Sandy Sandy came up with a name for. Uh, she keeps coming trying to come up with names for our our little group. Right. right. So, for our listeners out there, either we have a a we just Justin really wanted to start having like a some kind of a lunch thing because he's stuck there by himself in Glendale, no <laughs> friends. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we started a Saturday. This weekend's about five times now, six times in a row. Yeah. The six Saturdays, and there's Mark. Uh, which call him the iPhone guy, um, and then there's uh, Ken. Ken is a listener uh, to this podcast and a, and a good friend of mine who um he's in the world of the high frequency trading and as a you know as a java coder and uh and then justin and i and i think i have on the email list i have isaac from central desktop since he lives up the street but you know like me he has kids so he doesn't always he can't always get away like um, we were thinking that we should do something for for texting like some kind of meetup maybe once a month or something yeah, I wonder how many. I don't know if we have a critical mass of of uh, listeners yet. That you know, in our area, there would be enough. Yeah, there'd be like one person. I mean, we have. <laughs> I mean, let's say we have like three or four hundred <laughs> subscribers. You know, three hundred fifty right. subscribers or something like that to the podcast. I mean, we have sometimes between five hundred and a thousand people listen to a podcast, but a lot of those are sort of you know one time flybys because it's an, it's a yeah. particular topic, say like MongoDB. But of a 350, if you're like, how many of those people are actually in sort of L.A. area? I don't know. Maybe there are. Maybe there are 20 or 30 people. Who knows? If you live in this area and you'd like to do a, uh, you live in the L.A. area and would like to do like a, a meetup, 
like a monthly meetup or something like that. Yes, uh, put a do, put a comment on the blog. You know, I had um, last uh, week when I when I, um, I I said that you know if you wanted to do uh, be an alpha tester for Appignite to send me an email. In fact, just uh, just put it on the blog. Put a comment on the blog because essentially what happened is like a number of people emailed me and they're really interesting emails and they're very positive and I was like ah you know this actually should be on the a comment on the blog. Okay. <laughs> so I ha- I asked like two or three of the guys, I said, could you, would you mind just like pasting as a comment? And they were all like, yeah, cool, no problem. So yeah, if, um, anyway, if you would a- either A, be interested in uh, being an, a- an alpha tester for Epignite, um, or you would like to, and or you would like to uh, do a meetup and you live in the LA area, definitely leave us a comment on the blog. That be I've got, th- I've gone, yeah, I've, I've got 30 people signed up for the MASH API webinar. I think you're almost there. I don't think you wait for 50. I think you're almost there. You think? Ah, you know what do you? What do you? Why is fifty an important number? I don't know. I guess. Oh, oh! One thing I forgot <laughs> to say is that Sandy was coming up with names for our our, our, our lunch group. She was calling oh, yeah. us the Furious Four. <laughs> <laughs> Why the Furious Four? Ah, you know, well, the, you know, like w- there's a, a movie called Kung Fu Panda. It's a kind of an animation kids movie. It's yeah. And, you know, when you have kids, you watch these things over and over and over and over again. And, right. Uh, they have the Furious Five, so we're known as the Furious Four. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, um, could we be the Fantastic Four? We could be. I think she might have tried that. She'd call us the. It was like the nerd lunch. You know, she was calling it various sort of. The yeah. nerds who lunch. Heck, <laughs> <laughs> lunch. So um, yeah. Anywhere where were we going before that? So did you, did you, because you, I thought you had like a, a list of topics of just other yeah. stuff that wasn't related to co- us. I got some random things we could talk about that were kind of interesting. So, you know, they had that, did you see that thing on uh, Gmail? They now have drag and drop attachments on the messages. Have you seen that? Nope. It's really cool. So like if you, if you start dragging this stuff file on top of your browser on an open email, it'll like, it'll create like a hot zone, like just drop it here. You don't have to do like the file open and search, you know, for, for an attachment. That's going to be Gmail? hard to implement across multiple operating systems, isn't it? Yeah. Do you use Gmail? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just wondering what, what are they using to do that? I haven't seen that. Is that, is that, a, is that, does a, it work on Mac and PC? I don't know. I don't know how broad. I mean, I, I use Chrome primarily and I know it works on Chrome, I guess, obviously, since, but I guess, let me see if it works on IE, IE8. That would be... Uh, yeah, I, I bet it could be a browser-related thing. Let's see here. Obviously, Chrome, they've got full, they've got full ownership of. Because basically, the browser sec, needs okay. to... The browser needs to be able to pick up events from outside of itself. Like, if it's, if it's lost focus, you know? Right, right. And I can see, see how they can here. do that in Chrome. I can see how they can do that in Chrome because they've got the ownership of the whole thing. Right, 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 right. So here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it in... No. No, it doesn't work on, uh, on, I, on yeah. IE8. So maybe it's not something that's cross-browser. Probably, maybe it works on Firefox. But anyway, I thought that was... Sure cool. is cool, though. Yeah, it must be an HTML5 thing. I, we, uh, well, that's someone I'd like to interview is some HTML5 guru someone who knows all the all the different uh specs you know what browsers are supporting what how well things are working what the anticipated adoption you know rate is going to be 
Because that's going to be a... The funny thing about HTML5 is you can... I mean, HTML5 holds this great promise, right? Mm -hmm. But you can do so much with <laughs> with jQuery and HTML right now. I mean, you can just do amazing stuff. Like, uh, you can make fantastic games. You know, you can do loads of stuff. That you're just kind of missing the canvas. Well, they, I think they're doing like the, the you know, like the flash type video and like offline storage. And um, I mean, there's a ton of stuff. See, the thing is, I don't even know everything. I, I've, I've looked at, I've, you know, glanced at articles on it, but I haven't studied the spec or anything. So I don't really know what, the HTML5 spec consists of entirely. I'm, is it even finalized or is it just draft? I don't know. You know, I mean, who knows these things? Because they're just like there's like these ongoing negotiations, and nobody implements them right way anyway, and <laughs> it's a big mess. But it'd be interesting to talk to somebody. So um, let's see. Oh, here's a here's a you know a, an interesting. You know, we talk about multitasking. We've talked about that yeah. many times. And this there was and a context switching. Yeah, yeah. They talk about how. There's a story, uh, it was the multitasking brain divides and conquers to a point. So apparently your brain is good at uh, multitasking two things, but not three. <laughs> so there was a couple of studies where they had like these students who were trying to do two tasks and then, you know, when, and, and then they would try and do a third and they would get like money or something if they could do a third right. Or, you know, it was like, I don't know what it was, some little mental games or something, but people sucked at three. <laughs> So, um, I don't know. I guess it's incredible if you think about how powerful our brain's supposed to be. Based on what? Just that, like our, our, you know, our brain's supposed to be so much more powerful than a supercomputer or something like that. But we can't even multitask. Well, you know, I, you know, it's just it's like uh, it's like a custom instrument, right? It's evolved to do certain things really well and not other things. Um, but I think that's. I think there's important things to know. I mean, you know, because we got into this world where everyone's trying to multitask and they're IMing and they're coding and they're talking on the phone or whatever. And it's like, you're not getting anything done. Well, why do you think text causes so many bloody car crashes? Yeah, exactly. No, you do. I, te uh, talking on the phone while you're driving is supposed to be equivalent to being, you know, driving under the, flu and under the influence. It has a similar... I saw this girl uh, driving down the freeway today and she was texting and I, like she was doing 80, she was texting. I was just thinking, God, you idiot. Yeah, that's, that's just really dangerous. You know, it was today I was actually driving and I was, I was listening. I, I had my, um, my iTouch and I was listening on, I had my headphones, just a little, you know, the little headphones. Uh, and I was listening to a podcast rather than listening to the radio. And this woman drove by me and gave me this really dirty look <laughs> because she thought I was talking on the phone. She was talking on the phone or something. And I'm like, what? I was like, come on. I was like, wow. She got really angry. <laughs> so, okay, here's another thing I like to talk about. Um, the, there's a thing I saw recently called the Definitive PHP Security Checklist. I meant to bring this up with you. What oh, yeah. have you learned? What any hard lessons have you learned over the years with, with sort of sort of battle hardening your apps so that they're really secure and, 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 and tight? Um, well, the, one, the, the main lesson I've learned <laughs> is to not use anyone else's code and not use anyone else's framework. Oh really? <laughs> and basically, just build it, build it, build my own system from the ground up, which no one has any idea how it works. Um, because that's that's the thing. I mean, most of the times when someone hacks your system, it's because a they want to, mm -hmm. and b because it's it's available to them to study in some way. I see, right? right. 
So PHP BB or or WordPress or whatever, because it's open source, it's completely available for people to study. And if you can just study code, well, of course, it's easy to hack. Right. Because you can just look at the, the little mistakes that the coders have made and you can find somewhere to hack. And that's why these things are so available to hack. Whereas if you're just building your own framework, like I've always done, like people don't have the source code, so they can't go through it and find out. So the only options they have in terms of really easy, obvious hacking is to look is to use PHP-based exploits. Right. You know? Um, so that would be the first thing. And then the second thing would be to always very carefully evaluate and escape anything that gets inserted in the database. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. Because um, I'm starting to look at that in terms of, you know, for, for these for Epic Night, right, these apps that I'm generating, I mean, I obviously want to generate code that's extremely secure because um, that would be a nightmare if I generate some, some app code and then that's kind of weak. And- well, if people can study your code, it's, it's already you know, infinitely less secure. That's right. the problem. Well, it's, it's kind of, it's funny because weren't you, you were the one giving me a hard time about using my own framework, right? Now you're Mr. Use your own framework. Right. <laughs> well, that's, that's because, that's because I, I was always giving you a hard time because I always thought that, you know, best, best practice would be to do, to use other people's frames, frameworks. But now that I've really gotten stuck into using other people's frameworks, I just think that they suck. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> and you use what Code Igniter and Cake and what? Um, Code Igniter and Cake, I think, and and then also Flex. And what do you think about each one specifically? What are your what are your thoughts um, on? Why don't you like each one of those individually? Or what frustrates well, you? I can really understand why people like Cake and Ruby on Rails because I think that. It's people who come out, who come out with a modern CS degree, mm-hmm. and it the the way that that the whole software is built is just like them doing a course at, at college or a university. What do you mean? Right? I, don't, I don't know what that means. It's very very theoretical. Okay. It's it's it, it's extremely theoretical. There's nothing hacky about it. Like everything is just kind of the beautiful theory of model model view controller, okay. right? And it all falls exactly to that, and then it's got you know active record and all the other auto magic stuff that all sort of falls into line. So it's like it's like I said, it's just you know they these people have learnt to work at that high level, okay. right? Whereas someone like myself, who basically didn't didn't do that, I mean, kind of left school, but you know, just sixteen. Um, so I don't have that kind of theory. So it's much harder for me to get into it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Okay. Um, so that's one of the big reasons why I like my own frameworks <laughs> because I understand them. Right. Well, you, you you said that you've never really got learned or became comfortable with object-oriented programming, right? And all of these frameworks are object-oriented, right? No, I don't. I, I don't think. Uh, I don't think I said I was uncomfortable with object-oriented programming. It's just. I thought you wrote everything as just a series of functions, and more like you're writing C code. Um. No. No, not really. Really? Okay. I mean, I do, but but I guess to the, to to the full object theory, I probably don't do it that way. No. Okay. Well, what do you mean? So what what, what do you say you don't theory? What what don't you do? I mean, do you create objects with member methods and and, and use inheritance when when you need to? Or I I do, but I think I think procedurally. I think that's the difference. I do, yeah. So I suppose I don't think in terms of uh, the object. Met- metaphor in terms of programming in that kind of a way. I kind of I'm always thinking 
procedurally like how does it okay it goes to here then it goes to here then it goes to here then it goes to here right well I, whereas that's the way i do you know what i'm saying it's I like, think, a, like a linear well, path yeah i think that way too it's just when when it comes to the objects is to say okay well here's some data and i think of this thing whenever i describe like nouns <laughs> you know like right. uh, in the uh, that is an object generally any and uh you have whatever data is going to be passed around the, these functions are going to be operating well as are just the member variables you know and that's pretty much that but that's other than that you're thinking you're still thinking procedurally it's just a matter of grouping stuff together as opposed to having data structures or global variables being passed between a bunch of functions okay so you you also want to thought about the different frameworks yeah. so what, really what it is is it's it's to do with the auto magic and how much it does for you and really it's just about how much you have to do it their way versus doing it doing something you know reinventing the wheel in some way so code igniter is the least you know constrains you the least okay. like code igniter would be the closest to the frameworks that i've written okay um that it, it would allow model view control but also it would allow just pure procedural so you could just kind of go straight into one file and just do everything in that okay or you can get into the whole model view controller stuff. Um, then Cake, you really do have to do it their way if you do it properly. And if you don't, then you pro- and this this goes for Ruby as well. You, you're probably just not doing it right. <laughs> so, you know, you, you can try and do it your own way and you can try and do a hatchet job. But ultimately... You have to go with the grain. Uh, well, for example, every... You know, every controller has an add, a view, an edit, and, and, and those kind of pre-built crud crud things right? right so you just you just have to work in that way and you have to think that way okay that's the way that it works with ruby and cake which are basically very similar to um the thing that you're writing with app ignite right whereas with um code igniter you don't have to think of things in in that kind of save add view edit concept right. you can just make up your own functions you know you can make up your own way of doing things so why don't you like and, so why don't you like uh, code igniter why aren't you why is it still not um why is it so frustrating to you um, you were really excited because, about about like six weeks ago or something no i do i do like code igniter but it's just it, you know if you didn't write it you don't know it inside out that's okay. all and, and flex is my is my new thing that i'm learning and that to me seems even more like you have to do it their way right <laughs> so it's like a, you know because like you can't even you're sort of locked into just completely the flash paradigm. I see. Right. 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 So at least, at least with Cake, you're you, you know you're not. You, at least you can do what you want on the front end. You can do some JavaScript or whatever. But then Flex now locks you in even further. Right. Yeah. Sort of a lack of freedom. That's what's frustrating. It's a lack of freedom, and then for everything that you need to do, you have to go away and research how to do it their way. Right. Right. That's the thing that's kind of interesting. I, I was thinking a little bit about this, about how, like, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. Don't write your own platform. Don't do this. It's like this lack of freedom. It's like everybody wants to keep you from doing stuff, you know, your own way. It's like everybody yeah. wants you to do it the way they do it. And if people get... Well, but there's, there's, there's a reason. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I know. Well, listen, what, what, what do you think? What what what? What do you think the reason is? Well, the, the, the reason is, is because if you're following standards, then everyone on the team will know how to do it. You just go and look on the internet at the standards documentation and, you, and then that's how you do it. Right. No, but, you know, that's a fine. If you're the team of people, right, or within a company and you need to set standards for, for working together on something. But if 
I mean, why do why would somebody on an internet forum care what you what framework you used or didn't use, or whether you used Rails or Django or you know PHP or whatever? Well, that's usually religious. Yeah, it's usually just like a religious because they because it's the one that they've learned. It's the one that they're interested in. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it um, it's just I, I just find it really um, I just find it interesting how it's like the uh, it's like people want to people want to kind of lock you in. They want you to do things their way. I don't know. So let's go on. I got uh, I got a couple more. Um, okay. Shoot. Let's see if I can bring this up. It's called the ultimate guide to getting nowhere in life. <laughs> so <laughs> What's that? let's see here. The get an easy nine to five job. <laughs> Live from paycheck to paycheck. Don't have any hell yeah money, and live vicariously from your couch. So obviously he's wow. being sort of, you know, ironic, I guess. A lot of people do that. They do, but that's how you get nowhere. So are you, you do not have a nine to five job. You, are you living paycheck to paycheck? Probably, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any hell yeah money? Basically a financial cushion. Mm. No. Are you living vicariously from your couch? Are you watching people and going, man, I wish. No, I'm not doing okay, that. So you're only 50%. <laughs> what about you? I, I definitely don't have a nine to five. I have, I have about four nine to five jobs. Uh, I think as, a, as an entrepreneur, you have to live from, from money to money. Like you don't know where your money's going to come from. So you just have to deal. Ca- cash flow is a huge issue. It's very difficult. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was thinking about the other day, I, was, I guess I heard something else and I, I know what I was reading and they said, you know, if you want to get more da- done, I mean, just turn off Lost. You know, they say just turn off the TV, you know, you'd be surprised yeah. how much time it's like, I code all damn day, man. I, I like to watch Lost personally. <laughs> well, you've got to have some, some yeah, time. It's like, you know, I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but damn it, I'm going to watch Lost <laughs> even if my wife the whole time is going... <laughs> He's not. A- well, and Stargate Universe. Yeah, I like Stargate Universe. That's I give that a. I, that's that's pretty decent. Robert Carlyle makes that show. Who's that? He's the he's the the grumpy professor English who was guy. in uh, the Full Monty. Yeah, yeah, you need like well, you need like the 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 sort of um, quirky uh, smart English guy. I mean, they had one in Battlestar Galactica. That's the new formula, <laughs> <laughs> right? You need like your own Doctor Who or something built in. Uh, yeah, I like. They've that. got good tension in that show. Good, te- it's good tension. I don't know how they've done it. It's completely different to the other Stargates, which are all a bit tongue in cheek. Whereas this one's much more. It has much more of a dramatic, edgy feel to it. Yeah, I never really watched any of the Stargates. I never got into any of them. But I was looking for something. I was like, I need something to get into. You know, because like, it, late at night, you know, I I print out. I've told you, I print out all my, you know, stupid articles that i read on hacker news i read like eight or ten of them <laughs> and then i go and i read those and then i get burnt out on reading either about startups tech or macroeconomic stuff and i just like get blown out and i'm like all right and i need something to completely zone out to so you know sometimes i watch files runs or whatever and, and it's like i need something you know i need a new show so Stargate universe kind of did you ever get in touch with richard dolan to give his uh, ufo presentation to us <laughs> no, I haven't. I told you I want to. Um, I, I feel like I should read his two books before <laughs> I uh, 
invite them on. I feel like that out of respect, you know. I, I think inviting someone on to to interview when you haven't even read their book or books is kind of lame. Okay. So I, I'm on like page eighty. <laughs> like 400 or 500 pages to go and I keep the problem is I keep printing out all of these articles to read and then um, I'm more interested in the articles than I am in reading anything that's the problem here's 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 that's another problem is I'm addicted to reading this stuff because I you know you go to Hacker <laughs> News right is that since and, the show what, what's that is that since te- since you started texting or were you always like that no I've always liked that I'm always you know I always print out a ton of stuff because I, I can't <laughs> If I if I try to read it at my desk, like I've said, I just you know I, I feel like it just sucks the energy out of me, and I get no work done. So what I do is end up having it gets to the, end of the day, and I end up having like ten or fifteen open tabs of articles that I read like the first paragraph out of that are like actually long articles or blog posts or whatever. And so I end up printing all that stuff out and take you know reading for a couple hours at night, and because it's always just like an it's just the accumulation of all the most interesting stuff I found on the web. And there's usually a ton of interesting stuff, right? Yeah. So it's hard to read books when you have you, every day, you got a whole new list of interesting things to read. Yeah. So, you know, that goes back to my, an idea that I, I brought up uh, a long time, a much earlier podcast, which is the idea that you have a site, sort of a crowdsource site where you would write up like a summary of a, um, of a, you know, say an article or post yeah. because a lot of these things are just like you read them and it's like, it was like, a, you know, some, I don't know, science article, like on, you know, like the one I told you about the study about multitasking. It's like, you could have summed that up in like four sentences. Do I really have to read? To, do I really have to read 10 paragraphs? <laughs> you know? But if you crowdsource that, so what you're saying is make a site where you crowdsource and anyone can come along and create summaries of important blog posts, like the, the, the blog post du jour, Right. Well, yeah, it would be it'd be kind of like it'd be kind of like Reddit or Dig or Hacker News, right? You would submit a a summary of a of a of a of a of a post or an article, okay? And it, it'd be it'd be particularly good if it's a, if it's a good summary, so people could rank them, right? Was that a good summary or not? Y- you know, I hate to say this, and, but that's called Dig. No, but they're not summaries. Yes, they are. What do you mean? If you go through Dig, it gives a summary of the post. That's the whole point. So you, you, each person, when they submit a link, they write the abstract summary of the article. Dig just has the title of it, just like Reddit and everything else. No, Dig Dig has the summary. Like, and the person, the person who submits the link has to write an enticing summary about the article, and that's the whole kind of point. Yeah, it's actually I don't know. I was thinking and, something that would be deeper because, like, I was actually right. something that would be a little more in depth than that. That would be okay. more like to see. Yeah, that's usually like a sentence or half a sentence. Usually it's like, you know, if you're summing up something that's like, um, you know, four pages, you're going to need a, you know, a couple paragraphs. But for instance, the, um, there was a guy, I saw something popped up, it was called HN Summary. Right. And I think just one guy was doing it. He'd write like a, a nice, you know, long paragraph summary or, or so of each of the of his favorite topics that popped up. And that was great. I said the guy seemed to run out of steam like three weeks ago. <laughs> like yeah. he, he lasted like a couple weeks. I think he just got, you know, burnt out or something. And uh, I thought it was a good idea. And I was like, but it would need to be crowdsourced, you know, because there's no way that you could cover anything, any reasonable number of those articles. And, uh, you know, I never knew the, the little short TL semicolon DR. Did you, have you, do you know what that means? TL semicolon DR. Yeah. Sounds like top 
level domain registrar. Oh, too long, didn't read. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so people would like in a in a you know in a comment or forum be like you know ah too long, didn't read, but blah blah blah, you know. Yeah. And like that would be a good name for the site, like too long didn't read. <laughs> it would just be a bunch of sorry, but you could just hear like the pundits going on and the intelligentsia, like, oh, the dumbing down. No one reads anything more. They just read paragraph summaries. No one there's no depth to our our intellectual curiosity anymore. <laughs> our civilization's going down the drain. <laughs> you know. But it would be an improvement for me <laughs> because I only have a time to read, like, you know seven or eight or of these things but i see like about 20 topics i like to read i'm like there's just no way i can't read i just skim i'd look at the title i'm like that probably would have been interesting <laughs> i don't have time to read it you'd like to know a lot about a little uh, sorry a little about a lot i uh, just you know it kind of reminds me of this it's like i think um you know peter norvig is do you know who he is nope he is like he's like a one of the chief scientist or something over at uh, google and he wrote um uh, he's a he's a, a prof- he was a professor of um, like artificial intelligence. He wrote a a book called uh, Artificial Intelligence: A Modern Approach. Right. And uh, he's he's he gives a lot of Google talk. He's a lot, you know those Google talks. You ever listen to those Google talks? Yeah. 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 So um, he's he he's done things like that. He's spoken at startup school and stuff. And uh, I'm sure Ted. some of our listeners have heard him. I'm sorry. Has he done TED? He may have. He may have. He'd be the kind of guy who would. He would talk a lot about like the natural language sort of interpretation that Google can do now and stuff like that. Anyway, what the, he was, I think he was the one who had talked about this, about how so many of these books that you read now are, are way too long that they really would make a great you know, 15 or 20 page white paper. <laughs> but, but they're turned into like these 250 page books. And someone else said that recently about um, I, that I read, oh, uh, it was a book um, uh, was it Peter Christensen, uh, the Innovator's Dilemma? Is it Peter Christensen or not Peter Christensen? That's Could be. Whatever. I'll tell you something. You, guy you have hurled a lot of names at me this show. <laughs> Listen, just assume <laughs> that I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not. It's not a quiz. I'm just like popping out of my head. It's um, yeah. So, the Innovator's Dilemma, which was written by Clayton Christensen. Right. Okay. Clayton Christian, Peter Christensen is one of our listeners who's commented a few times, um, and did Geek Stack. That's what his his project is. So innovators dilemma. So anyway, uh, there was a there was a Mixergy interview a week or a few weeks back. Um, the guys who did Smugbug, one of the founders of Smugbug, right? Which one of these photo sharing type of things, high def photo sharing things, and he had done some of these. They were going to do some. Um, they hit a startup where they were trying to do get authors to do like these like white paper like publishing kind of white papers you know shorter right. short form kind of um, I don't know nonfiction or things like that yeah and it ended up not taking off but he had talked to a, a, a number of authors who were very interested in the idea and uh, Peter uh, Clayton Christensen was one of them and he said yeah you know I thought I had like a great like 50 pages or something like that for uh, Innovator's Dilemma but I had to you know blow air into it to make it into a book (laughs) and I feel that so many times when I read these nonfiction books you read them and you're just like man I get it I could have gotten this in 15 pages why did I have to read 300 pages because you you feel like you have to you bought the damn thing and you're like you know 100 pages in and you start realizing you've 
you're wasting way too much time on like the three ideas that this book is really conveying and they're just repeating it over and over again and giving you more stories to like reinforce the point. You're like, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm not an idiot. And it's like, I think that's the way with, you know, a lot of these, you know, posts and articles. It's like, you know, I could, you could have summed it up in four sentences, five sentences. You know, I didn't need to read. I didn't need to read eight pages. Like that thing you just said could have been summed up in one sentence That's rather right. than a 10-minute I rant. need my own <laughs> summarizer. I need some guy walking next to me like, <laughs> you bottom line, this is what Jason's saying. <laughs> TLDR. TLDL, which is too long, didn't listen. <laughs> this is probably a bit cheeky, but one thing I just wanted to quickly mention is that um, I'm looking for some contract work if anyone knows anyone who's got some. Um, I'm a good PHP coder. I can do a bit of JavaScript. <laughs> uh, I feel a bit cheeky about saying that. That's fine. You, you know, because people, people are always looking for good coders, right? Any people who know what they're doing. They're obviously a very experienced, you know, PHP JavaScript coder. So I don't know if there's anything to feel something cheeky about it. Anyway. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap. We're out.